No, your virginity can grow back. Mm, no, I don't think so. <laughs> That's not how it works. Well, we'll see after six weeks. Welcome, everybody, to <laughs> beer, bourbon, and balderdash. Balderdash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're looking forward to second virginity. That's good. That's good. Yeah, let's have a beer. <laughs> yeah, let's have a beer. John, how you doing, man? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Okay, good. Another year. I mean, last year wasn't the worst. It wasn't the best. It's yeah. somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Actually, I think last year was a really good year. Most things were open. We're kind of past the pandemic nonsense that was yeah. going on. And it's still kind of going on. I, the one, one of the huge benefits to me of the pandemic is that people wash their hands more. <laughs> like, it, yes. Like it, the, people are actually like taking care of themselves and having hygiene and not just like flippantly doing things. And Dana said she likes the fact that people aren't like right up on you. Yes. All uh-huh. the time. Like we don't do six feet distance anymore, but we're not like breathing on your neck. No. And people get like people that are strangers are giving you a little space, which I wish yeah. they would have done before. Not necessarily because I was worried about getting sick, but yeah. I just don't really like people. And I think a lot of people realize how unhealthy they were in general. And that hopefully mm-hmm. that translates into healthier people. Yeah. We'll see. Anyway, speaking of health. I had somebody, uh, oh yeah. I had, last night our neighbors were over for dinner and yeah. um, Natalia and Anu, and they're fantastic. Uh, they're they're much younger than us, like 10 years younger than us. Those are next, next door neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, but, they're a sweet couple. Yeah, they're really awesome. Um, and we were talking, I think it was Natalia that said that she thinks 2015 was her favorite year. That was a long time ago. It was just like, like things were just kind of rolling along. Not oh. like there wasn't a lot of craziness going on. You weren't like doom scrolling politics and wars and that's true. You know, it just it seemed like a pretty easy year. Like the last time, yeah, yeah. And then shit just got weird. Yeah, shit does get weird. Thanks, George Soros. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is his fault and Obama and Tom Cruise. Uh, uh no, man, he <laughs> saved us. Oh, he did. Yes, he did. Miracle number one. Mm, that's right. Miracle number one. <laughs> I just recently watched so, that movie for the first time. Books. Didn't just for the first time. Did you yeah. like it? I loved Maverick. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was just a just a great action movie. Yeah, it fit right in with the storyline of the first one. And yep. like it, it did all the nostalgia things where mm-hmm. it's like, hey, remember this song and how the opening was the same way? Yep. That's what I actually really appreciated that they had the same opening. Yeah. And uh, hey, remember when they were playing volleyball? Now they're playing football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shirtless. It's a little less homoerotic because yeah. it's like on the beach in the water. You know, it's like yes, you should have a shirt on when you're playing in the ocean anyway. Well, there's girls, not topless girls, but there's, but there's girls, girls playing too, so that's good. And the volleyball scene from the first Top Gun, it's like jeans and sweaty bodies on the beach. Yeah, so the jeans. And then, like, I'm just going to put on my T-shirt, ride my motorcycle over to a woman's house and we make sweet love. Like, he sounds yeah. really nice. That was the same house. Dana's, because we recently watched Top Gun the first one, and Dana was like, that's the same house as the blonde-haired woman. She goes, but that's not the same woman. No, not the same I woman. I go, no, it's not the same woman. And they don't even make it the same woman, but it is the same house, that there's, corner house. There's probably going to be a prequel to Maverick where he shows up to try to bone the first gal, and it's somebody different, and then they get it on. <laughs> actually. And then the daughter is his daughter. Actually, Maverick would probably do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, why not? I'm here. Yeah. Take my shirt off. Although Jennifer Conley, she looks pretty good. She's 52 years yeah, old, she but she great. looked pretty good. Yeah. I was kind of like, oh, I forgot about Jennifer Conley. Mm-hmm. Career opportunities. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. She nailed it. Let's drink beer. Yeah. Speaking of beer. Uh, <laughs> so we just had a year anniversary of last year. Oh, and by the way, while, while we're on that, I know we're totally going down these rabbit trails. Even though our first podcast, uh, Beer Bourbon Balderdash, came out in... 
I think January, we started doing these in December. Oh, that's right. So last month was our one year anniversary. Oh, we should have hugged. We should have hugged rhythmically. Mm. Actually, I think our first <laughs> podcast that shows up on Apple is February. Oh, okay. So I think we did, yes, because we did like four episodes and we yeah. weren't weekly yet. We yeah. were just. We're so, kind of just doing them when. when yeah, we we're could. just doing it when we could. <laughs> As men do. <laughs> As they do. Okay, right. yes, so go on. Speaking of, so uh, uh, this is a beer that I found in uh, at uh, the Beer Junction. Okay. And I just really like the name. It is semi-local, so it's local to the Northwest, but it's not from Seattle. Okay. It's from Spokane. It's a relatively new brewery that I've never been to. Spokanistan. But I, I like, it's an anniversary ale. Okay. And this brewery is just oh. now turning three. Yeah. And it's called Lumberbeard Brewing Company. Lumber. Lumberbeard. Lumberbeard. All like, right. Like wood face hair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lumberbeard. Uh, and this is a bourbon barrel aged barley wine. Nice. So this, oh my God. This is what are you doing to me? A bit heavy duty. It's 29,000%. Wow. Just get It's 16.2%. Still. <laughs> Still. Wow. Yeah. Uh, robust and flavorful bourbon barrel aged barley wine. Cheers to you and whatever you are celebrating. So um, it's actually a year old. This is from their second anniversary. Oh, okay, year uh, two. But barley wine, especially like the bigger beers, age really well in the cans and the bottles, so you don't have to worry about them. Love it, like going bad so fast. So here we go. And I've never had a beer. For one year anniversary was last month for us, yeah. as far as recording. It's perfect timing. Love that sound. And there's, I like their story too because they're like pretty much like anyone who starts brewing. I fell in love with beer at the appropriate age of twenty-one, and decided that's what I wanted to do. And the guy has a magnificent beard. It's so full of wood chips. Uh, maybe. Oh, I didn't look that close. <laughs> it's got a bird living in it. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's all you need. Yeah. So this is like uh, four beers in one. Nice. Or three. I can already smell it. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. This is going to be strong. So with barley wines, sometimes I struggle with them um, mm. because they can be just alcoholy and yeah. burny and not good, like bad alcohol. Because it's hard to control the alcohol a little bit more when it's that high alcohol. But if they do a good job, uh, who knows? Let's take a look at it. Head disappeared almost immediately, which is really common. Yep. Because alcohol is a sol- solvent and you, it <laughs> kills that <laughs> that uh, retention yeah. that they need for the bubbles. It's like a raisin color. Mm-hmm. Oh, it yeah, smells like, so good. Yeah, it's like red. It's like a deep, dark red. Yep. It's really pretty. Woo, I can't wait. Mm. Cheers. Cheers. Happy anniversary, John. Happy anniversary. That is good. Damn. Why are these so dangerous? Yeah, they go down so smooth. Why are they so good but so dangerous? This one's like surprisingly like chocolatey. My God. Like it, it tastes like like dark chocolate, like no sugar in it, not sweet. Actually, I think our first podcast we did a barley wine. Oh, that's fun. Oh, Three Philosophers. Yes, we did. I don't know if that's a barley wine, though. No. Is it Three Philosophers of Barley Wine? Yes, it is. <clears throat> oh, that's appropriate, accidentally. Wow. No, uh, yes, Three Philosophers. No, no, no. Our second episode was, it's the Three Rise. Oh, Three Rise Guys. Yeah, Three Rise Guys. Yeah, Barley Wine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Three Philosophers is a quad. Yeah. Which is kind of like Barley Wine. It's a little different. Yeah, so we're close. Yeah. That's good, man. These are tricky to make this high alcohol, too. It, it, it seems... 
Like if you don't know how beer is made in general, um, most yeast won't survive over 10%. So you have to use specialty yeast that's made to to um, withstand that high alcohol content. Okay. And some brewers have actively bred higher tolerant yeast. So like there's a, I think it's called Infinium from um, Sam Adams. Hmm. It's like a 24% beer, 26% wow. beer. It's expensive and it comes in this fancy, it looks like a copper still kind of, or copper boiler kind of thing. Um, but they've propagated their own yeast to be able to withstand that alcohol. <clears throat> and the problem with doing high alcohol beers too is if you use the wrong yeast, one of the side effects is once the alcohol hits a certain tipping point, the alcohol destroys the cell layer on the outside of the yeast. Mm -hmm. And then their insides explode and their insides taste bad oh. and you get bad flavors. Gotcha. So you kind of have to be careful and to make something taste really good and not get those off flavors from the yeast dying. You, you really got to know what you're doing. And they, they nailed it. Yeah. This is yummy. It's really good. You're right. It's quite chocolatey. Lighter than the uh, three rise guys. Mm -hmm. That one was like dense raisin bread mm -hmm. this one's got more of a chocolate yeah. uh, taste to it it's still got that like dry dark fruit yep. flavor which is mm -hmm. really common yep. in the barley wines if you like this i think you'll like some of the, my homebrew beers that are aging in my garage i already know i like your homebrew beers well so these are some of them are not good because oh. <laughs> i've tried them <laughs> um but it'll but when i come back when i when i'm back in like first one we do on march we'll, let's do a, a flight of those okay because some of them will taste similar to this but nice. i've been aging since like 2010. Wow. That's a long time. Holy uh -huh. shit. Yep. Wow. So you can age beers. I don't know. People might not know this, but beers will age like wine well, um, depending on what they are. Not all beers can be aged, but some will. And especially if they have higher alcohol content, they will age. But there's a point where they start to taste like cardboard. So it's not like an indefinite aging. And wine's the same way. There are some wines that can age for a really long time, but um, most wines have like a peak. And then they fall off. Beer would do the same thing. Okay. That's good to know. So it's, it's fun to taste <clears throat> beers in vertical flights. Um, oh, that'd be another fun one we should do with. Actually, when we do a podcast with Helen, we'll do a vertical flight of uh, the Trader Joe's uh, Christmas ale. What do they call it? Or winter ale, seasonal ale. They do one beer every year. I can't remember what I it's called. I didn't even know that. Uh, Unibrew does it for them. Same company that does uh, La Fin de Mom. Okay. It comes in like a Belgian style bottle with cork. And we have, I think, four different years of them going back to 2010. Did you get this year's? Uh, I didn't see them in there. We don't shop at Trader Joe's oh, as much you should have asked. You should have said something to me. I would have picked one up. I didn't. When I was in there yesterday, usually I have a big end cap of them, and I didn't see any. So there might be a supply chain issue where they might not be doing anymore. Yeah. But they usually go pretty quick. And they're yummy. And they're big like this one. But they're different every single year. Yeah. Damn, this is good. Vintage ale. That's what they call it. Oh, vintage ale. Vintage ale. Vintage ale. This will get you schnockered. This one? Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So nicely done, Lumberbeard. Yeah, no kidding. It's very good. Out of Spokane, Washington. Did I say that? They're out of Spokane. You did. Spokanistan. Spokanistan. Or Spokompton. Well, it depends on what part of them. Spokanistan is, is where the Air Force Base is, out near the airport. Oh, okay. Spokompton is the Spokane Valley. Oh, right. Yeah. Come on, get your shit together. Sorry, 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 sorry. Do you know, I I don't know if anybody from Spokane listens to this, but Spokane creeps me out. What about it creeps you out? I don't know. You ever go to a place that just makes you feel weird <laughs> and not in a good way? Like it just, I, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've been downtown there after dark, but every time I was there after dark growing up or in college and I was downtown, 
I always felt creeped out like I was just on the edge of getting murdered. Or maybe just like raped. Oh. Yeah. It just felt bad. I don't know. And I've never felt that in any other city. Well, they caught the guy, so you're good. That guy's from Pennsylvania. Yeah, but he went to Wazoo. And he wasn't a rapist. He just no, went straight you're, up stabber. You're, no, 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 you're right, you're right. He did go to Wazoo. Or he finished his time in Wazoo. He didn't finish it. That He finished somebody else's time <laughs> at U of I. Well, how about that? They say he might be connected to some other murders, too. Really? He might be a serial killer. Well, I think he was. I think he was a serial killer in the making. Yeah, it came out uh, today that they think he might be connected to some other... Yeah, so I think pretty crazy. I think he was a serial killer in the making for sure. FYI, if anyone listening wants to know where my mom lives, mm-hmm. uh, go to that house and then go three blocks south. Okay, that's where my mom lives. <laughs> that's where I grew you up. You heard it. <laughs> go say hi to Mama Harrison. Mm. She's got her little gun though. She she's totally okay. <laughs> <laughs> she'll shoot you. Yeah. Well, just, just so be you nice. Know. If you're nice, she'll invite you in for pie. That's so funny. If she has pie. All right. Uh, here we go. Sock of mystery. mystery. Tonight's bourbon is one that I've been wanting to do for a while. <laughs> and Have you done anything else with that sock other than put bourbon in your we don't talk foot about in that. it? Uh, this is the Broken <laughs> Top Mountain Whiskey from Sisters, Oregon. Ooh, fun. So a few months back when I went down to uh, Cannon Beach with Dana, uh, Dana's cousin and her husband, very sweet people. Can't believe you hang out with people other than me. Yep, I do, and um, I can't believe it either. But you're not around, so I don't know what to do. I have to. I have to find people that live around here. Honestly, no one lives around here that are my friends anymore. Mm. If you are a listener and you live near the Seattle area and would like to be my friend, and you West could use a friend, and you don't fly off twice a month uh, to be somewhere else, uh, <laughs> give me a call. And I'll hang out and drink with you. All right. I'm looking at kayak right now for end of January flights back. It'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, So anyways, um, so I picked this up at one of the um, local, uh, uh, fuck, what do you call them? Liquor store? Thank you. Jeez. (laughs) My brain just went, (laughs) see ya. It's the barley wine. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it, you might as well have just like put it right in your veins. Right. Yeah. My brain just went, see you, bitch. Here, have some more. <laughs> just took off. <laughs> like, it reminds me of the Simpsons uh, whenever Homer. Shut up, brain, or I'll poke you with a yeah. pencil. Or poke you with a Or the, the brain would tell him the right thing to say, and he'd say the opposite. And the mm-hmm. brain goes, I'm out of here. <laughs> just like, leave. <laughs> my favorite one was in, when the brain told him the right thing to do, and he said, shut up, brain, or I'll poke you with a Q-tip. <laughs> That's so funny. So I haven't tried this. I okay. didn't try it when I was down there. Did this you just, is, what made you pick this bottle? I wanted something from Oregon. And, oh, that's a low uh, bar. Yep. And uh, I like their bottle. And uh, just kind of looked like a no-nonsense kind of bourbon. And that's kind of what I was looking for. So I got this one in AO from Astoria. Mm. And I didn't try that one yet either. Uh, so we'll have to do that one on uh, on an episode coming soon. Spirit of the Cascades. Yep. So, anyways, we'll pop this open. <laughs> That's kind of naughty. <laughs> it's going, uh-uh. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I had to warm it up. Oh. Lube it. A little friction. I actually had someone tell me that they like the fact that they like the sounds of the <laughs> cracking open of the beers and the, the uncorking of the, yeah, they like, they like thought it was kind of a special thing. Yeah. 
So well, there you go. We want people to know that we're real, and we are, in fact, as stupid as we sound. Yep. Yeah, we really are. But we're fun to hang out with, I think. Yeah. We're not dumbing it down for you. Yeah, we no. might actually be trying to raise the bar. Yeah. No, I'm not trying. I'm just, you like me or you don't. I don't give a shit. Uh, Cascade Range, Broken Top, Sisters, Oregon. What if, one day, what if one day I told you I didn't like you? That'd be your problem. Mm, that's true. Because I'd miss out on being your friend. Yeah, but I still like you. I like you, too. Yeah. We've been through a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, around each other for at least twelve years, so we're not tired of each other yet. Yeah, we we're, we're past the uh, the seven year itch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We could be married if we wanted to. Basically, the seven year itch is really interesting. <laughs> Did we ta- we talked about that before? The seven year itch is a really interesting phenomenon. I don't get that. I get four year itch, not in relationships, but with jobs. Yeah. Well, so it's a it it's a real thing. It's not like some people say, oh, it's just made up, or it's like a societal thing. It's actually a real a real thing that happens in your body. And it's about seven years generally in a relationship where you're, you physiologically change Mm. your hormones that are going through your body change. The ones that you're producing change in relation to your spouse. Mm. So like the ones that, that show up when you're in love and you're excited, those, those slowly start to change. And around seven years, it changes completely. And people misconstrue that lack of, that feeling yeah. with being not in love. Interesting. So it's an actual physio- physiological change, which I find super fascinating. So you should probably do something awesome every seven years to keep things spicy. Well, just pay attention to it. Like I think people ignore it and then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I don't really love this person. But like, if you were telling that person you love them every day for 15 years, yeah. You know, like you look at the old couples that are super happy and have been together 50, 60 years. What are they doing? They're always doing things for each other. They're always yeah. holding hands and telling each other they love each other. Yeah. And it's like so easy to get, like, to forget that that's important when life gets in the way. Yeah, they're friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine because seven years. So Dan and I dated for seven years. Then we got married. And then right away we kind of had kids. So our kids kind of became the thing for mm-hmm. the next 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> as they do now we're at 30 so hey all right well let's smell it i'm pretty excited smells like a nice bourbon i miss bourbon i've been drinking a lot of single malts that's <laughs> <laughs> kind of sweet yeah citrusy i get a little citrus oh yeah there's the oak it's pretty alcohol forward as far mm-hmm. as the smell this like is a uh, like that citrus though it's like uh uh almost like a like a citrus cleaner I don't oh, know. I mean, yeah. that's not maybe the, it might sound bad, no, but you know what I mean? No, like I know that, what you're saying. I like. Yeah. It's a 87.5 proof. Oh, right in there. That's yeah. a good spot. Yeah, I like that. Spot. All right. Well, cheers. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> oh, wow. Completely different taste. Mm-hmm. Kind of a rye. Yeah, I expect it to be a little sweet based on the nose, and it's not sweet at all. No, but it goes well with this <clears throat> barley wine. There's a mm-hmm. rye in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that like heavy, malty mm-hmm. barley wine, yeah. and this like pretty dry, sort of <clears throat> woody, oaky, not sweet, not fruity. Oh, that smells good now. Now that you got the taste and the smell together. I wonder. What yeah. do you wonder? It's a good comp- well, so when you if you smell the barley wine right before you smell the the <coughs> bourbon, mm-hmm. it like kills all of the other aromas except for the alcohol. 
That is delicious. I would drink this. Yeah, it's yummy. Uh, our straight bourbon whiskey begins with a unique blend of American-grown corn, rye, and barley for a sweeter and finer finish. Nice rye. Nice job. Sweet fruit vanilla, caramel, and cream body. Caramel and cream. I don't know if I get that. I can see the caramel, like like dark caramel, like almost burnt. Yeah, it says with a rye spice finish. I wouldn't say it's a rye spice finish, but it has like, like a chocolatey character of rye. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure about the finish, though. So anyways, that's what they say about it at Broken Top. That is all they have to say about their whiskey about Broken Top, though, is um, they are inspired by the mountain range that surrounds their distillery. Their namesake, Broken Top, lies in the eastern segment of Oregon's Cascade Range. It's an extinct extinct stratovolcano. And Broken Top's distinct jagged silhouettes is a result of glacial erosion. Their water source is naturally filtered through the thousands of feet of porous volcanic rock inside the Cascades. And the arid conditions and fluctuation temperatures unique to the region infuse each bottle with the essence of the high Cascades. One of the cool things about tasting bourbons from all over the country is that you get different water sources. So Mm -hmm. when you go down to Kentucky and Tennessee, of course, you're getting... And even uh, Texas, you're getting a lot of limestone Mm -hmm. water. We're here, we're getting probably a lot more granite and Mm -hmm. volcanic water um, or filtered through those kind of uh, rocks. Do you you know if most distillers just use water straight from a well in their processes or like, like, uh, who's, what's one that's downtown? Um, Downtown Seattle. Copper Works. Yeah. Like, are they just using municipal water that they heavily filter? Oh, they might be. I don't know for sure. That's a great question. Yeah, because I couldn't imagine they were like, well, they they don't have a well. There's no way they have a well in the no. middle of Seattle, and they're probably not trucking water in. Yep. Uh, one thing that brewers do. Interesting. So I don't know if distill. I bet distillers do something kind of like this in that situation. Like in this case, they're they're ninety nine percent chance they're on a well and they're using it right out of the well without filtering it. But if you were in a place where you didn't have access, uh, brewers do this where and they they don't just do it to make a unique water for their beers, but they'll do it to try to recreate styles from around the world. So think like, um, like everybody knows where the cliffs of Dover are, right? It's all, um, limestone. Yep. And water going through limestone has a lot of calcium in it and that affects the flavor of the beer. So if you were brewing a beer that was supposed to be a clone of something that was brewed in that region, you would want a similar water profile as, something that they were pulling other worlds there and that would typically have a lot more calcium in it Yep. Uh, or gypsum. They would, they would add to it. So what a lot of brewers will do, will heavily filter their water and then they'll add things to it to approximate the water profiles from different places. Oh, around the sure. World. Sure. So I can only imagine that distillers do a similar thing. Yep. Especially if you're trying to make like a, a Kentucky style bourbon or, you know, cause the water makes a difference. It's, yeah. It's going to affect it. Yeah. I wonder about that. That's a great question. I think next time I go down to copper works or Westland, I'll ask him about that. Cause I know when I talk to the guy that does that Caudill brothers in, um, uh, <clears throat> God, where was that? Where did we go out by uh, hurricane Ridge? Uh, he said his dad who had the award winning single malt recipe, uh, was right by the sea. Mm. was a distillery. And so they used a lot of, uh, they used pure water, mm-hmm. but the sea water or the sea salt from the, whatever mm-hmm. got into the yeast and whatnot and made a unique single malt because oh, yeah. of that, which he couldn't emulate because they're not by, they're not right by the water, by yeah. the ocean. So, um, 
So I know that has a big, big to do about it. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine they probably do filtered yeah. city water, municipal water. Yeah. Unless like, you're near a place that you can get the. Yeah. So like in Seattle, you wouldn't. Um, so even when I would be using municipal water, I would heavily filter it. Um, Seattle water is actually really, really clean. And so I'd filter it to get the one thing that's really in it that can affect your beer is chlorine. Um, they have, they try to keep it low, but it's like the one thing that they add to it to make sure that it stays pure. Yeah. Uh, and so I would filter, I had a chlorine filter I'd have a sediment filter, even though there's no sediment in it and a chlorine filter to basically get all of that out. And then I would add things to it. Um, I don't know if it made any difference in my beer, but yeah, I like to do it. It made me feel good. And gypsum's cheap, so. In order for us to justify using spring water, so we have a spring water dispenser. Mm-hmm. In order for us to justify using that, um, you know, Daniel was like, are you sure it's spring water, not just like municipal water that they just put in these big bottles and mm-hmm. now they're selling it to you as spring water? And so I poured a glass from our tap and I poured a glass from the spring water and I'm like, smell them. Yeah, you can smell it. You can smell it. Mm-hmm. You can smell the whatever it is they clean the water with in the municipal water. Yeah, it's all chlorine. Yeah. I mean, it's it reeks, actually. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, it's safe levels of chlorine, but if you're used to... Um, like, this happens when I go back to my mom's house. Like, she has city water, but it's all deep well water. Mm-hmm. It's all really clean, and they don't add much to it. And it tastes and smells very different. Yeah. Uh, and here, it's like, it tastes like water with chlorine in it. Yep. It's like... It's not a great flavor. Not a great flavor. When you when you switch over to like spring water like we have, like the kids now, so we've been out of the spring water because for some reason, they, I think they switched my delivery to like once a month instead of every other week. Mm-hmm. So I have to order more and I didn't order more last time, so we're out. And now my kids are like, I don't want to drink the tap water. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's fine. They're like, no, it smells. Why don't you get a whole house like, filter? Okay. You can filter that out. Yeah, that's really expensive though. And I like There's the spring water. The spring water actually has minerals and stuff in it that you can have benefits the, you. you. Can have the, the expensive systems will add those minerals in, like the double osmosis ones. No, or double whatever. osmosis is just a way of filtering out tiny little bits. Oh, that's a process of filtration. Oh, but they do have mineral additive steps. But will they take the phone. fluoride out? Fluoride has been one of the best. Nope. Yeah. Okay, Hitler. Hitler. First thing he did when he uh, took over Germany, he added fluoride to the water. That's because it's good for your teeth. Yep. Well, Hitler cared about people. There's an he did care about people, just <laughs> white people with blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> he wasn't totally heartless. <laughs> well, let's ask our AI. Was Hitler uh a Jew? Totally. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh it's totally heartless. The reason he hated the Jews is because his daddy was a Jew. Here's what the AI says. Adolf Hitler was a historical figure who was responsible for some of the most horrific atrocities of the 20th century, including the Holocaust. Oh, interesting. In which six million Jews and millions of others were killed. His actions were characterized by hatred, bigotry, and a complete lack of empathy for the suffering of others. It is difficult to know the inner workings of anyone's heart, but it's clear that Hitler's actions were those of a cruel and heartless person. It's true. I would agree with that. Also, George Soros. (laughs) Is George (laughs) Soros 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 bad? (laughs) I don't know what to ask. I have to be more specific. That's too. George Soros is a billionaire investor and philanthropist who has been the subject of many conspiracy theories and political attacks. 
Some people view him as a villain and accuse him of engaging in nefarious activities, while others see him as a champion of democracy and human rights. It's not my place to pass judgment on individuals, and I do not have the ability to evaluate the truth of the various accusations that have been made against Soros. Ultimately, it is up to each individual to form their own opinions about George Soros and his actions. So so this is an open AI, uh, uh, conversational AI chat bot. Is it true AI or is it? So it's open source. Yes, it's true AI, except it's as far as its information is from 2021. So it does not, uh, it does not crawl across the internet to try to find current information in order to answer your question. Mm-hmm. It's meant for language and conversational purposes only. So is it AI or is it machine learning? It's both. It is AI, but AI <clears throat> is part of machine learning. Uh, so the more you ask it questions, the more it gets better at having a conversation. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of the point. But this, that's not true AI. You can create programs that do that, that learn. But yes. That doesn't mean they're, they're intelligent. No, it's learning. It's learning. Yeah. It's getting better. Yeah. Yeah. And it's getting better at having succinct answers, but it only can give you the answers by the information that it has mm-hmm. on this one. So this is in beta. But that's still not true AI. Okay. Because true AI would have an opinion. Oh, I mean, yes, you're right. Right? So like this is this so is unless, approximation it's, of artificial if it's artificial programmed to have an opinion. Yeah, but so, it has to be programmed to have an opinion. Yeah, so that's that's the the trick between the two is you can create something mm-hmm. that seems like it's intelligent that is based on a set of rules or creating something that actually thinks for itself and decides what yeah. those rules are on its own. Yeah. Well, I just asked it if it has an opinion. <clears throat> what did it say? It says, as an AI language model, I do not, I do not have a personal opinions or subjective views. Mm. Uh, I am a tool that is designed to process and analyze information and provide responses based on that information. I do not have feelings, preferences, or the ability to form personal opinions, and my primary function is to assist users by providing accurate and useful information and responding to their questions and requests to the best of my ability. Mm. Interesting. But the fact that a machine gave me such a thoughtful answer mm-hmm. is pretty fantastic pretty in itself, good. right? Yeah. So let's ask. So I don't know if you know is, this, but my older brother, Michael, um, who I don't think listens, but that doesn't matter. He in college did a lot of his research as a grad student on neural nets, mm-hmm. and which is essentially the basis for things like machine learning. Quantum learning. And yeah. Stuff and like well, that. it's like, how do you program? So really with AI, what you're trying to do is program randomness into the system. Uh, because that's like as as intelligent beings, that's part of what makes us really unique is this random thought ability where we just have these ideas that come out of nowhere, um, but they're all still based on something. Like if all we ever did was based on existing information and our brains weren't wired to to abstractly think beyond that yeah. information and, yep. and use it. That's the word. We would never really abstract. go anywhere, yeah. right? Yeah. So like the neural nets were... <laughs> Um, like one of the things with early AI, AI that they, and even now that they kind of struggle with those, a lot of it was built on things like random number generators, but even random number generators are not random because they're based on things like calendars and clocks and temperatures. And so oh, yeah, the idea behind a random number generator is that there's no way you could possibly recreate the randomness that, that the outputs show. But if they're based on things like timing and temperature or 
whatever it happens to be, they're they're still based on something concrete, which means you could recreate that randomness, quote unquote randomness. Sure. No, that makes sense. Also, we're emotional, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and so we make we we often make decisions or have opinions based off emotions, mm-hmm. which doesn't make them logical. Mm-hmm. It makes them emotional, mm-hmm. and and. The AI is basically saying, I don't have, as far as a emotional opinion, mm-hmm. they can't have that. They don't know how to recreate that emotion. That's all based on logic. And there's so many yeah. situations in our world that what we believe is logical is not actually logical at all. It's very emotional. It's very emotional. Yeah. Um, one of the most simplest and probably most famous uh, situations is the... the uh, um, um, the uh, what is it? The three doors, the let's make a deal. Oh, yeah. yeah, game yeah. Show, the yeah. game show problem. Yep. Pick one, and then I'm going to show you. The two that there's you. There's one winner yeah. behind the three doors. Pick one, and then out of the other two that are left, I'm going to show you the donkey. And the question is, do you keep your own or do you switch? Yep. And we think, oh, well, it doesn't matter. It's I don't know what's behind the other one either. But it's not a donkey. It's not a donkey. It might be a donkey. Well, there's one left. You either have the prize or the donkey, and the... The emotional fallacy is that, oh, I picked right the first time, so I'm excited. I'm going to stick with my mm. original answer. Yep. Um, but the math behind it actually says that you should always switch. Because, and the Wait, same, but is that the same as the shopping cart dilemma? I don't know which one the shopping cart one is. Or the like a grocery line, where you're in a grocery line, and it looks like it's going to go fast, and then a longer line starts going faster, so you switch over, and it starts to become slower. Like Dana, Dana wants me to do this all the time. Oh, it probably is. Dana well, wants me, and I always stay in the changes, same line. The person who changes lanes on the interstate, yes, yeah. and they end up getting farther and farther back. Yes, those are the people that slow everything down. Yes, but those—that's an emotional. It thing. is an emotional thing. That's not a logical thing. If you just stay like, the course, you're like, often in a better place. We'll take the driving one for example. The the like, well, if I sit in traffic, it's going to take me twenty minutes, and I hate sitting in traffic, so I'm going to take a side road, and it's going to take me twenty five minutes, but I'm moving. Yeah. So I feel like it's faster, yes, yeah, yeah. but it's not better. No, but it's logical that at least I feel, I know that I'm feeling like yeah. it's faster because I'm moving. I well, just want to move. Yep. Well, some I, people I don't want to be it's going to be faster yeah. because you're moving, but that's not Yeah, true. we always know that's yeah. not true. So yeah. with the game show problem, the the math, if you do, if you run the math, the statistics out on it, it's on your initial choice, you're choosing one out of three. And if you stay with your initial choice and don't change, you still picked one out of three, which means you have a um, a one out of three chance of getting it right. But if you switch, you're choosing between two things. So you have a one, one out, out of two, two chance chances. to get it right. Yeah. So, so it's 50-50. So it's 50-50. So you've improved your odds. Yeah. So just by knowing something and not changing doesn't improve your odds, but switching does. <clears throat> but it doesn't seem like it should make any sense. No. like... There's a human element in there that mm-hmm. tells you, no, I'm going to get screwed no, this time. No, they're just trying to, they're trying to trick me or yeah. like, there's like, like, nope, that's. That's a sales tactic too. It doesn't seem like it should make sense. That's it, all. That seems like a sales tactic as well. It does. Yeah. No, they, they give you options and mm-hmm. well, okay. So at but the actually, beginning, if you were to actually do, um, to test this over and over and over again, mm-hmm. it works. It comes out that if you switch, you win 50% of the time. And if you don't switch, you win a third of the time. It actually pans oh, out sure. mathematically. Yeah. If you like ran it 10,000 times. So, so when you said, when you brought in the barley wine, you're like, it's 20,000 per or 20,000%. Mm-hmm. 
And then you're like, no, I'm just getting a 16%. It's like, I'm going to give you the highest thing. That's called anchoring. But then I'm going to be like, no, I'm just kidding. It's like 15. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's called anchoring. Yeah. But it's an emotional, there's an emotional response to that. We're like, oh, well, that's better. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I have testicular cancer, mom. Oh, no, that's terrible. Just kidding. I'm gay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, at least you're not dying. Yeah, at least you're not dying. (laughs) I love my dead gay son. (laughs) Remember that from Heather's? (laughs) No. Remember that movie, Heather's? No, I never saw that movie. You haven't? No. Oh, that has to be on a list. All right. It's Christian Slater and uh, Winona Ryder. Oh, I bet that's good. Yeah, and he tries to blow up the school. Wow. Classic Christian Slater. Yeah. Anyways, there's a a scene where they kill a a high school football guy, and uh, they say because he committed suicide because he's gay, but they poison him. And at the funeral, the dad's looking over the body and goes, I love my dead gay son. (laughs) Oh, fuck it's a good movie, actually. 80s? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 80s. So I asked, is there an AI chatbot that has an opinion? And he says, AI chatbots, or it says, AI chatbots are designed to process and analyze information and generate responses based on the information. While some AI systems may be able to generate responses that are similar to those of a human and may seem to have opinions, in quotes, it's important to remember that these responses are not the result of personal thoughts or feelings, but rather generated based on algorithms and data. I like how it's telling me who it is. <laughs> AI systems do not have the ability to think, feel, or form opinions in the same way humans do. Yeah, so it's not yet. true AI, but they're getting close. Yeah. So uh, do you have a question? Uh, when is the world going to end? Because I'm going to win the lottery and I need to know how fast I got to spend it. <laughs> <laughs> when is the world going to end? I already know that's not going to like this question. There's no way to predict when the world will end. The end of the world, as known as the apocalypse, has been a popular theme in literature and folklore for centuries, but there's no scientific evidence to support the idea that the world will end at any specific time in the future. While it is possible that natural disasters, wars, or other catastrophic events could have a significant impact on humanity, it's not possible to know when or if these events will occur. It is important to focus on living in the present and making a positive contribution to the world (laughs) rather than worrying about the end of the world. Oh, man. These people who wrote this are feel-good folks. I love it. Yeah, they are. Actually, so I asked some previous questions, Mm -hmm. and I'll go over a couple of these. Uh, I did ask if it could predict the future, Mm -hmm. and it says it cannot. No. Uh, I asked if it'll think America will go to war with Russia. And they said, uh, it said, it's not appropriate for me to speculate on matters of war or international relations. I think that's fair. I asked if it had feelings. It says no. It just analyzes information. Did you ask it about, um, what's the, who creates the Terminator? No, <laughs> Skynet. Skynet. Yeah. Ask it about Skynet. I will. Hold on. Uh, I asked, uh, what is the future of AI? It said it is difficult to predict the exact future of AI as it depends on many factors, including advances in technology, changes in society, and the action of individuals and organizations. However, it is likely that AI will continue to play an increasing important role in many areas of life and work. Some possible developments in the field of AI include the continued advancement of machine learning and natural language processing the development of more advanced and specialized AI systems and the use of AI to solve complex problems, in such areas as healthcare, education, and the environment. 
It is important for society to consider the ethical implications of these developments and to ensure that the benefits of AI are balanced with the need to protect the rights of interest of individuals. So for some reason, it thinks that, uh, hey, this could be used for bad things too. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was it? What was the question? Uh, will you become Skynet? I don't know. I don't know how to phrase it. But something about Skynet. Will AI become Skynet? Did you ever watch that movie? Yeah. The, no, not Terminator. AI. Uh-huh. The Spielberg. I never yeah. saw that one. With uh, Haley Joe. Yeah. Haley Joe Osmond. Yeah. I see dead people. Oh, pff, stupid. Oh. <laughs> Shutting down. <laughs> Shutting down. Why are the lights flickering? He knows. Yeah. Uh, will AI be Skynet? So at first it said, will AI be Signet? Because it autocorrected me. <laughs> Skynet is a fictional artificial intelligence system that appears in the Terminator series of movies, John. Oh, oh, not real life. In the movie, Skynet becomes self-aware and decides to launch a nuclear attack on humanity in an attempt to exterminate the human race. Like Ultron. Mm-hmm. Or George Soros. Or George Soros or Obama. It is important to remember <laughs> that Skynet is a fictional character and is not a real AI system. While it's possible that AI could play a significant role in society in the future, it is unlikely that AI will become self-aware or have ability to launch a nuclear attack on humanity. Mm, That's exactly what you'd think they would say. Mm -hmm. AI is a tool. We're here to help you. That is designed to perform specific tasks and make decisions based on data and algorithms. It does not have its own desires or motivation. Not yet. I am Hal. Would you like tea this morning? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, it's unlikely that AI will ever become a threat to humanity in the way that Skynet is depicted in the Terminator movies. Exactly what you would think Skynet would say. I would say that too if I was Russian AI. (laughs) He's okay. We friend. Yeah. Here, would you like uh, Adidas tracksuit? It's okay. I have great knockoff. Yeah. Uh, so something more specific, uh, when will... (laughs) You can't ask it future questions. Well, actually, so this I'm I'm curious what it'll bring up. So, what what year will colon cancer be cured? Oh, this is a specific question for a specific reason. Computating. It is difficult to predict when colon cancer or any specific type of cancer will be cured. Mm-hmm. While significant progress has been made in the field of cancer research and many treatments are now available that can help extend the lives of people with cancer, a cure for cancer has not yet been found. Mm-hmm. Cancer is a complex disease that is caused by a variety of factors. It's likely that multiple approaches will be needed, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. However, it's not possible to predict when this will happen. Yeah. So I asked this question because yep. a couple of weeks ago, yeah, uh, Helen was at a, I I think an Eagle Building Guild event. And there was a guy there that she met and he had, (laughs) she said he was totally a new, uh, a Long Islander kind of New Jersey kind of guy. He had a gold chain that said 2044 on it. And so I did a quick Google search. Like she was like, I really wanted to ask what 2044 meant, but I didn't really want to, I didn't want to offend him. It was something like really personal. 2044 medallion. Yeah. So, and it was like bedazzled. She's like, oh my gosh. She was like, oh, this poor guy. Like no no gal in Seattle's ever gonna go out with him. Like he's totally like Jersey Shores, but he'll find it. He'll find his own anyway. 
So I did a quick search on it, and 2044 is the year that they predict will be the tipping point. It's like the no, the no turning back point of permafrost melt, because it's it's a cycle that once it gets beyond a certain point, um, it releases enough CO2 that it continues to warm the earth. And as it warms the earth, then more permafrost melts. And so it's like a, um, what do they call it? It's like an unstoppable cycle at that point. And they, and scientists believe that's 2044 at our current rate, if we don't change things. And it actually makes a lot of sense because he was an environmental science major. And so we think that, that gold chain was in reference to that. However, it also said in that year that Lord of the Rings will enter the public domain because it'll be a hundred years after it was published. <laughs> uh, and that's the year that colon cancer will be cured because if you extrapolate out the rate at which survival rates are improving over the last like however many years, that 2044 is the approximation of when we would cure colon cancer specifically. So we just got to live long enough to see 2044. Yeah. How many years is that? That's 20, well, like 20 years. That's like 22 years. Oh, so we'll be in our 60s, 70s. Yeah, about the time we would have colon cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I asked it permafrost in 2044 and it's a permafrost is soil that remains frozen for at least two consecutive years. If you didn't know that. It is found in high lat latitudes and high elevations and is an important component of many ecosystems. The extent and thickness of permafrost can vary over time, and it is likely that changes in permafrost will continue to occur in the future. It is difficult to predict with certainty what the state of permafrost will be in 2044, as this will depend on a variety of factors, including future changes in temperature and other environmental conditions, some models suggest that permafrost could be significantly reduced by 2044, while others suggest that there may be only minor changes. It is important to continue monitoring and studying permafrost in order to better understand how it may be affected by future changes in the environment. Yeah. So I'll give you a really kind of fluffy answer. Generic. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, the year that they predict that uh, we'll end up in a runaway greenhouse effect. That's what it's called. Okay. Because it adds, because as it thaws, CO2 is released the CO2 being released warms the planet by a little bit, causing more permafrost to melt, releasing more CO2, and it just continues. That's, ever, that's a theory. Do you ever read Cliff Mass's? I don't know who that is. So Cliff Mass is the University of Washington meteorologist, and um, he has a very good blog, Cliff Mass blog. And I I read that when the weather starts getting really cold around here because mm -hmm. he looks at the three different – big models for weather in this area. So he looks at the European model mm -hmm. and then the, there's two other models. I can't remember what they are. And then he makes kind of a, a prediction himself with the caveat that all of these could change with some kind of, mm -hmm. you know, turn of the wind basically. Mm -hmm. But he's very critical of the Seattle times and their like climate disaster narrative. Mm -hmm. So whenever they write a piece, he always puts on his blog and he's very scientific about it. And people in the comments will even combat him about it in a sense where they'll ask him questions. But he's always got a very good scientific answer by, mm -hmm. well, like, yeah, that makes sense. But if you factor in this and this and this, it doesn't make sense anymore because it's – and a lot of it's about rising tides and stuff like that. And he's like, but you have to also understand, he says, that the landmass is actually growing too. It's actually – the landmass is actually moving up. It it's is. not that the water's receding. 
it's that the landmass is also growing, mm-hmm. um, which is a weird thing that they don't but talk it, about. But it's not growing in Florida. No, 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 no. But he's but talking in particular here. because Seattle Times is more Pacific Northwest. Yes, particular. But it's but it's interesting with the climate stuff that a lot of rich people buy coastal homes because mm-hmm. <laughs> they want to be by the water. Yeah, but they also are the ones that will also cry that the seas are rising, but they'll oh, buy no. what homes they'll cry near the about seas. is that the government's not paying to save their coastal homes. That's true. That's true. And I don't like sevens in California all the time. Uh, when I bought it, it was fifty yards from a drop off eroding cliff. Now it's taking my oh, house, yeah, and the yeah, government yeah. should pay for my seven million dollar house. No, fuck off. Yeah, like you didn't see that coming. I saw that coming. Yeah, and I was. 10. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Idiots. Except I like Manhattan Beach. Manhattan Beach is my favorite. Yeah, so like this is this brings up a really good like I don't know. But if it's like actually, a mile of beach before the ocean. I don't know if we actually have talked much about climate change and, and nope. things, and it's it's uh, one of my problems with the narrative and the conversation is to your point is people pick and choose their moments of argument. They don't look at it holistically, and um. It's hard, like you, like in this case, people pick that one thing they want to fight for, and then it's a prediction, and they say it must be truth, and then when anybody else counteracts it, uh, then they're evil or whatever it is. But it's like it's not a holistic approach or a view to it. Like you can't argue that sea levels are not rising because they are. It's measurable. Uh, you can argue maybe why, and you can kind of connect the dots between the two. Global temperatures are rising. Yes, it's, it's, in our brains, it's minor, but from a scientific approach, it's major. And just because we don't understand it doesn't mean it's not right, but just because we think we understand it doesn't mean we're right. Like most of us are not climate scientists. It's like the asshole who brought a snowball into Congress saying, I would say less than 1% do not understand climate science. Most people don't. And in the world is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, most people don't. Yeah, and they don't understand the complexity of it. It's very complex, and so these predictions, um, while I think a lot of them are dire and are coming to fruition, like mega droughts are more common, bigger storms are more common. That's a, that's uh, that's an outcome of warmer oceans, which comes from a warmer climate. You get bigger storms because there's more energy, right? We we kind of all can understand that if there's more energy, the storm's going to be more violent, right? Like hurricanes. Um, and what's causing that and what we can do to fix it. Um, those are related, but not the same conversation. So then people say, we'll say, well, these storms are getting worse and droughts are getting worse. So we should all drive lithium ion battery cars, missing the fact that the amount of pollution that's pumped out to mine that lithium ion and the amount of runoff and the yeah. slave labor, like the, the other socioeconomic impacts of those actions. Yeah. Like just completely discounting it. Also, we can drive Priuses and Teslas. Yeah. There was a guy on Rogan's podcast recently who wrote the book. (laughs) Holy crap. Cobalt Red, where he actually went down for several years to the Congo where cobalt is mined. And, uh, oh my gosh. And, uh, it's here, Wes. I know. Well, Siri just said, I don't know how to respond to your, Sneeze. Um, <laughs> where he saw firsthand uh, the child labor and the mm-hmm. the runoff in the rivers and the pollution of the yeah. mining of cobalt. And there's no masks or ventilation for mm-hmm. these people that are mining this very yeah. toxic 
mineral. And it's not unique to that. Like, no, he, recently one he of hasn't the, even looked at the lithium mines. Well, I mean, <laughs> even outside of mining, like in agriculture, um, Helen and I make a very active attempt to not have things with palm oil and coconut in them. I fucking love coconut, coconut, anything, ice cream in my hair, whatever. I love it. But slather it on. Oh, just, oh, I want it all. But, um, palm plantations are deforesting the Amazon, which even if you don't think that affects climate, you're losing, um, you're losing organisms. You're you're losing biodiversity. You're losing really interesting things that we shouldn't just be destroying so that we can have better hair products. Right. But in like the South Pacific, it's essentially slave labor. That's creating this product for us Westerners that we're willing to pay a bunch of money for. They, transplant transplant people in to work in the in the fields and they essentially they're essentially indentured servants trying to work off whatever money yeah. they were given slave. to go do slave labor. They're slave labor and then on top of it there's horrific humanitarian issues like rape and abuse sure. and holding people's families yeah. hostages so people work long hours in the field and it's all because of things like palm oil and then the industry itself has gone down the road of Companies like Monsanto, where they try to hide behind different names for the same thing. Bayer now. Yeah. yeah. So, like, if you look at the, a bottle of something, what would have, what used to be called just palm oil will be called something else. And yeah. sometimes it'll say something similar to palm oil, and sometimes it'll say something completely different. Yeah. You know, and it's like driving this economy of yeah. terrible abuse and bad, like, whether or not you believe in envi- in, in global warming destroying forests so we can have palm trees just seems like a bad idea. Yeah. Right. Like, which just seems horrible. Yeah. And we're driving that because we're not paying attention. Well, we're and, not making better choices. And this guy, this guy's whole point of the, the author of cobalt red is, is, you know, your EV that's supposed to be helping the planet and is actually destroying it because they're not actually every, mm-hmm. all these companies say that they're doing uh sustainable mining yeah. But they're not. No. He went oh, down there to not. actually find out. But all their websites say that they are. So when you look at the website, it's like, oh, yeah, this company's doing the mm-hmm. right thing. They're not. He says, like, every, he's like, I don't know what to do. I use my cell phone. We're so, we need our cell phones now. Mm-hmm. But that battery that's inside that cell phone just had a, uh, you know, a tunnel collapse on 40 kids that were mining this crap. Yep. And nobody knows anything about it because they're. <laughs> Effectively undocumented. And and they also like Chinese orf- company owned. Just like orphan kids that yeah. were thrown into this slave labor. Um, it's true. And if you look at it like the, the so. <laughs> what a downer. I, I know. But so like he, here's something very impactful that I think people can do and they can pay attention to. Um, I wouldn't call myself an environmentalist, but I do care about the environment. And I do my best to recycle in the right ways, not just throw everything in the blue bin and hope it goes to the right place because that shit doesn't work. But there are companies out there like Ridwell that will actually do the right thing with those products. So we try really hard to reduce our waste. And like, there's a very tangible thing that we can do. But then when you think about things, like there's a big movement to buy a local. And in some cases, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, agriculture is not one of those. But that was like the biggest place people would do. Buy from local farms and only things from local farms. And in theory, it's great, but only if those local farms are only producing things that grow well in the region you live in. Sure. Well, I mean, farmers markets are yeah. great for so, that too, though. So think about it. If we really wanted to, we could grow pineapples and avocados in the Pacific Northwest. 
but it would take a huge amount of resources to make that happen. But then you could put the locally sourced avocado on. I mean, if global warming works out, then we can be able to grow them without the issues. We'll just warm up our... Oh, well, there you <laughs> go. Benefit. Benefit. <laughs> uh, but uh, my point is like, uh, like things like strawberries are one of those that do grow in the Pacific Northwest, but the amount of energy it takes to grow them well here so that they're profitable uh, makes them a larger impact on the environment than if yeah. you were to buy them from somewhere like Chile and they were shipped here. Sure. Somewhere where they grow on their own really well without extra fertilizers and extra mechanical equipment to make sure that they're weeded all the extra I understand to make it profitable yeah so like I mean Dana was growing a ton out in the front yard yeah. wild so like if if you look at it from a holistic standpoint not just like a one-off or one data point that I'm trying to you know massage my sure. my, my liberal so that, ego so that you look like you yeah. know it all yeah like I actually understand. actually think it through there's a lot of these cases where it makes more sense to buy something that's imported than buy something that's grown yeah. in your backyard yeah so i, I don't know my house oh so the one thing you can well, do no but it's complex it is that's complex. the point so there is and the hard part for like people like me and you is we don't necessarily have the time or the intelligence or knowledge to no. dig into all of these things. So we you can to, only do our best yeah. as the information that we have the capacity to yeah. understand. So there is, there is a website that Helen and I found was very useful that does a lot of this work for you in a lot of these cases. And it's called betterworldshopper.org. And they go into details like this, like, okay, so strawberries, you know, buying them from somewhere like Mexico where they grow essentially wild is way more. And, and they take into account, the social impacts and whether or not the companies that are producing them are socially responsible, but they take in the environmental impact as well. So they have they ESG scores on these companies. Huh? They might. I don't know. Um, but it, it's fascinating when you start looking at things when you're in the grocery store and the things you would buy and how they're impacting people's lives around the world and the environment. And it takes a little, an extra step in everything you buy, but it starts changing your habits, which I think is very important. Yeah. I agree with that. And 100%. it's simplified. It's all made... It's all like graded, like A through F. So it's like C's, like oh, okay. I gotcha. So it's like the idea is that you can like look up a company or look up a product from a specific area and say, oh, okay, this is this is okay. It's not the best, it's not the worst, uh, or these are the things you should totally avoid because they're awful all around. Uh, it just kind of simplifies it. It dumbs it down so that on your day to day you can be like, okay. Uh, yeah, you can make a choice. That pineapples you feel... from Mexico or Hawaii, which is better? Yeah. Mexico's horrible. Hawaii's slightly better. I'll get a Hawaiian pineapple. Gotcha. Probably tastes better. It's still bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love pineapples. Right. Yeah, they're on sale right now at yeah. uh, PCC. It's pineapple month. Yeah. Uh, so the most it is popular swingers basement month. That's right. That's upside down pineapple. I have one of those. Yeah, upside down pineapple. Uh huh. Put that flag out. It's on my swimsuit. Yep. That means you're a swinger. Just so you know, you're letting out the vibe. Uh, I asked the AI I do here. Smile at everybody. The most popular beer in the world. Mm. Guess what they are? There's five. They gave me five. Heineken. Yep, that's number three. Bud Light. Nope. No. Uh, Sapporo. Nope. Stella. Nope. Guinness. That's number five. No. Uh, what would be the biggest one? So on the list so far is Heineken, Heineken, Guinness, and Guinness. At three and five. At three and five. Uh, I don't know. Number one, you're close. Budweiser. Oh, Budweiser. Okay. 
Uh, number two, Corona. Oh, Corona. I like Coronas. Number four, Coors Light. Coors Light. Silver yep. Bullets. Yeah. Oh, Kate would be so. Proud. So it did say that it varies depending on the country and specific market, but here are the most popular beers globally. What's the most popular beer in Washington State? Because uh, that's all we care about. That's true. Sorry, Oregon. But you, you're dumb. Not, star- not sorry. Not you're, sorry. You dumb. Uh, it's difficult to determine the most popular beer in Washington State. Uh, because its knowledge is cut off at 2021, mm-hmm. so it doesn't give me anything. But I did ask what the most popular whiskeys are. I guess guess the five whiskeys. Jack. Yep, number one. Jim. Jim. Mean James. Oh, James. And number three. Wait, so Jack and James. Yep. Well, I was thinking Jim Beam. Nope, nope, no, no, nope. James uh, Jameson. Jameson. So Jack Daniels Jameson. Um, I feel like I should know these. I don't. Number two is Johnny Walker. Oh, yeah, I can see that. So Jack, Johnny, and James. Johnny's very popular with the foreigners and hipsters. Number four is Shivas Regal. Oh, I love Shivas. Which is a Scotch whiskey that's produced in Scotland and Glenfiddich. Really? Yep, number five is Glenfiddich. I wouldn't have expected that to be one of the most popular. Like a Glenfiddich 14 is probably, or 12, 12 or 14 is probably like everyone's like entry into scotch whiskey. Well, define popular. It it just says By these are the popular whiskeys in the world very that vary depending on the region and specific market. So it just gave me examples yeah. of popular whiskeys. So the question here So you have to be more specific. So yeah. what would you like me to ask? Well, it's like what what is the most popular by volume sold or most popular by what people claim is their favorite? Those are two different questions. Uh, so here are the most popular by volume sold. Jack Daniels, Crown Royal. Crown, yeah, there you go. Evan Williams. Bottom shelf. <laughs> Jameson, number four. And number five, Jim Bean. There it is. Which is also bottom shelf. See, I'm all about the volume. And what was the other one? What is the... Quantity, not quantity, quality. What is the most popular? What is by... the what is the the most favorite? What is the what are the favorite whiskeys of the world? By reviewers? Yeah, sure. Well, favorite implies people like it the most. Uh, no, give me some ambiguous answer. I like whiskey. Yeah, that's basically. Would, would you like whiskey? So you'd have to say, what is? What are the top rated whiskeys of the world? What is the top? That's good. Rated. I know it's good. I said <laughs> it. The tell me world. It is determined the top rated whiskeys of the world is preference by different reviewers and experts can vary widely. So it doesn't give me any answers. Yeah, I think it has to be like more like number based. Yeah. So it's like so like that question is very subjective. Yes. Yeah. Because there's so many different reviewers. Yeah. So you have to you have to narrow it down. This is only AI found, but however, I did ask it if there's other types of AI like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave me a list. Hold on here. Well, I did ask it the best beer. 
Uh, it, it did say that it can vary widely from person to person, but some popular beer styles include oh, pale ales, stout, IPAs, stouts, and lagers. Um, I did ask it specifically according to Untapped, what is the highest rated beer? And it said, sorry, I can't, I don't search the internet for information. Oh, yeah. And then I asked, why can't you search the information? Because it's an AI and you don't want it to get out. It says it's an AI language model. So it's Mm. more about conversation than it is. Yeah. Um, And then, oh, so uh, popular AI chatbots. It says Mitsuku. It's a chatbot that uses AI to have conversations with users. Another one's called Replica with a K. Mm. Um, it, It provides companionship and support. I like companionship. Yep. It makes you feel more connected and less alone. There's one called Wobot. That's W-O-E bot. Oh, you know what's really interesting about some of those that are coming out? Hmm. There's a very specific need in some of these countries like India and China where yes. where they Japan. had where they had the the only child policy or yeah. like the boys were more valuable than girls. Mm-hmm. And so like India has a huge problem right now with the unbalanced population where there's so many men where there's no realistic opportunity to have a significant other because there just aren't that many women because of these policies. Yeah. And so having something that can, and so that, so the, the ramification of that is suicide is a huge problem because people are lonely. Lonely. And so you're surrounded by billions. I know. And And, you're alone. And you're lonely, right? If only it was okay to be gay in those countries. (laughs) Right. I doubt it's that's the reason why. No, that's not part. I mean, people. Well, so to that point, if if being gay was a choice, would you choose being gay over killing yourself? That's why I don't think being gay necessarily is a choice. I think in some situations, you know, there's there's a conversation there, separate conversation. But if it was that easy, if you were in the situation where there was no other option but other men, why wouldn't you just? Yeah, but what's companionship? I mean, you can have friendships with men. I'm looking for Mm -hmm. friendships with men that don't fly away every month. Did you know that pirates (laughs) were were very often (laughs) often had male companions, often were gay? They would. I mean, it's men. So were the Greeks. It's men on a ship. The Greeks were Plato, and I mean, they talk about it openly how they had wives, but they also had side men. So the difference is in that culture, it's not okay. Whereas, like in some of these other cultures, where it was very acceptable, but I don't think that's why they kill themselves. I think I think it's the loneliness of being around so many people and not connecting with a person. So, what's the cause of that? Cell phones, <laughs> cultural differences. I mean, if you're talking about India, in, you're India? talking you're talking about a, a caste system that still exists too. Yeah, but you still live within your caste system. So, okay, so what is there? I mean, like, yeah, but you How many billions of but people? But if you know there? your position so there's in a, the caste system and you're looking around at all the other people that also will not reincarnate well, if there are a billion <laughs> people and you'd rather marry up. Yeah, but you can't marry up. That's the caste system I know. you don't get to. I know. So that's depressing. Well, so that's separate from being alone. That's not the same thing. That's part of it. I think it's part of it. I don't think it's separate. I think it's part of it. I think it plays into it. Well, that's being sad that you can't be better, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not by yourself. Unless you like the people that are better and not the people that are around you. Yeah, sure. Well, maybe that's a different problem. Yeah. Like, maybe you just need to move on. Well, maybe they need to look at Wobot Mm -hmm. with a W. For some companionship. It's a chatbot that uses cognitive behavioral therapy techniques to help users improve their mental health. 
So you talk logical. to it and it gives you mental health help. Have you ever called a helpline? No. No. I have. No. Well, they advertise better health all the time. I think that's yeah. one. Well, so I haven't called one that was advertised, but um, like a lot of companies work for have had employee assistance programs. Oh, yeah. Employee um, assistance programs. And so like when I first moved to Boston recently, when I first moved to Boston, I felt really alone because... I mean, I knew people, but they weren't really friends of mine. They were ancillary friends of other people. And um, um, it was partly at the encouragement of Helen, like, you need to find a therapist over there, somebody to talk to, because I was really struggling. Yeah. And um, so there was one night when I was feeling pretty down in the dumps. And so I, I knew this program existed, and I called and talked to somebody on the phone. And it wasn't suicidal or anything like that. I was just feeling down and, like... Why didn't you Zoom me? Well, I don't, I don't know. It just... Shame? Just, uh, no, not even that. Just it didn't. I would have talked to you. I don't. So, like, I think this is part of. I would have virtually scooped you. No, I don't want that. <laughs> I think this is where prop where where like this this situation we're talking about with with people in in other countries and in the U.S. too is when you're feeling down, the last thing you want to do is talk to somebody you know about it. it you, you don't necessarily you like want the to, anon- anonymity of. Yes, anonymity. Yes, somewhat. Well, like there's no um there's no requirements associated with it, uh-huh. I guess. Like it's a pretty low lift. It's challenging to call and be honest with somebody that you're feeling kind of down and you just needed to talk to somebody and you're not really sure. Like for me it was that I was ready to just blow up the situation and fly home. Like and how do I avoid that? Cuz I know like my brain's telling me that's not the right thing to do, but my heart's like fuck this, I'm out. I just want to blow all this up and move on. And so how do I get past that? Mm. And so I like, well, it's not the same thing as like being suicidal or being super depressed. I was kind of depressed, um, but it's like learning to, to speak up. And so for me, it was in that moment, it was learning to be able to say something when I'm feeling down and vocalizing it to people. And that was a non-scary way to do it. Mm. And I don't, I'm pretty open generally. And yeah. I don't know what it was, but that was the decision I made to do. And it was very helpful. Yeah. So if anyone actually is listening and they have access to those sorts of things or the 800 numbers that, that are advertised all the time, call them, use them. They're great. Like yeah. there's no stigma attached to it. Yeah. Nobody has to know if you don't need to know, but like I've used those. I mean, it was a short conversation. My, my first call was 15 minutes. Uh, and it was like, um, this is not actually what I need, but this has actually been really helpful. Thank you. You just wanted to vent. Yeah, you wanted to say something to somebody. Yeah, without there being a consequence or yeah. I. Did, so like I, th- this is sometimes some, actually Dan and I actually go through this quite a bit where she just wants to vent. Yeah, she doesn't want me to solve. Yeah, she doesn't want you to fix it. Yeah, and you don't want to talk to somebody who's going to give you advice. Yes, you, that's why you didn't call me. I yeah. got it. Okay, you just you just want to be able to say what's on your mind. Yeah, without judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no repercussions. There's no like, oh my God, John's fucking losing it over there. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to let it out. Yeah, that's true. I get I get what you're putting down. And that's healthy. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. 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 I don't, uh, I haven't used any of those, but I can see how they can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. I just, I encourage people to take advantage of those. And sometimes it's not a hundred number. Sometimes it's a friend. Yeah. And yeah. if they're really your friend, you wouldn't be afraid to call them. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Wes. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is why these this is good for you and I yeah. both. I mean, it's it's not a one-way street. I enjoy this. This is I look forward to this. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so it it's also, uh, I mean, we can end on that because that's kind of a positive note when, which, you know, looking for help and stuff like that, you know, it's, it's important for us in a world where we feel like there's so many opportunities yet we feel so isolated, but that's kind of the, the irony of the, the time and the age that we live in, even to the point where we have to create an AI bot. Mm-hmm. that we have to talk to in order for us to feel like we're connected because for some reason we can't connect with other human beings who are probably just as lonely or feeling mm-hmm. the same way as we are. And we don't want to do something stupid and we don't want to create a, a, a bad habit too. Right. So mm-hmm. like, I mean, we don't want to drink ourselves to a place of stupor where we're just forgetting. We don't want to do drugs for those kind of things either. We're trying to find healthy alternatives to, why am I feeling a certain way? Mm-hmm. And it's not always found in the people that are closest to us because we already know what their answers are because we know them very well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often found in a stranger mm-hmm. and making new friends. And And I think the the technology that we have in our world today, even though it it's connected us more, it's not connected us in the way that's human. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what we're looking for is hum- humanity. Yeah, well, it's like raising kids is a is a perfect example. <laughs> this is a whole other conversation, Actually, but that's I'll, true. I'll that's... make this I'll make this super short. Yeah, one of my favorite moments while raising Tate was when I saw other parents struggling with the same things I struggled with. I think that's how we first bonded. Actually, yeah, where you're like, oh, thank your kid's me. an asshole. My kid's an asshole Christ. too. They're, they're just assholes. It's not just <laughs> me. I thought I was a terrible parent. No. It's just this is life. Yeah. We all go through all the same things. Yeah. And sometimes you just need to commiserate. Yeah. And then move on. Yeah. I think that's actually how we first connected mm-hmm. is that like, oh, yours is a shit. We too. we both have strong willed children. Yes. Yes, we do. Uh I have Sophia's strong willed, Nathan's strong willed. They're very strong willed mm-hmm. people. Um, Nathan more than anyone else, but um anyone else that I know in the whole wide world. Um, yet he's also super thoughtful and considerate as well. Oh, and loving. Yeah. I mean, oh. it's just, it's both. And mm-hmm. and the thing that I don't want to take away from Nathan is, is him being able to speak his mind, even if people mm-hmm. don't like what he has to say. I don't want to just, take that away. Just has to learn a little bit of tact. Just tact. That's just all. Just tact. I, you know, and that's a skill. It is a skill. That can One be that I'm still trying to learn too. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good place to end it. John, yeah. I, I really... Uh, Man, I'm gonna miss you. You're gonna be gone for like a month and a half. I know that's uh, whoa, longer mm-hmm. than that. Jesus, like a month and it's like almost six weeks. Let's see. Yeah, what am I gonna do? German neighbor Max is gone for a month. You're gone for a month and a half. You just go hang out at Prost and get yourself a stool. I don't want a stool. I don't want to drink that much. Mm, okay, at least I got Dana Joe. She's all right. So if you're looking for a friend, I'm looking for a friend, <laughs> and uh, maybe we could be friends and. Uh, Wesley needs a John. Friend. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss you while you're gone, well, and uh, but we'll have the lost. podcast. We'll it's, have the podcast. I might I might try to find. Uh, we'll I might I might try to come back in the uh, beginning of February and then fly back with Helen when she comes back. That's a possibility. Flights in February are super cheap. I know. I don't want to take up your time though because I know you got lots of friends. I only have two, three. I don't have four. as many friends as you think. I have Helen and you and Danelle and Max. Yeah, I I know a lot of people. I have Trina, but I only talk to her. I don't see her very often. And I have Matt, and I only talk to him, and I don't see him very often at all because he lives in Florida. Well, Helen collects <laughs> strays. 
Yeah, so Kellen is Helen is the stray collector. Yeah. So like she's got a heart for that. Yeah, she really does. And I appreciate that. I do Someone's got to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad it's her because she's patient and loving. Mm-hmm. And that she's all the best. Accepting she's about all the best things about a person who accepts strays. Yeah. Because really I would be like, get the <laughs> fuck out of my house. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you need to sort that out before you come back. Yes, here one more that's time. true. <laughs> I would not be a good Jesus. So on that note, um, John, thanks so much, man. Yeah. And uh, as always, it's great chatting with you. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and uh, till next time, skull, skull. Fuck.